this is future Derek. We had a little mishap at the beginning of this episode, and so we lost the first couple minutes. But it was just intro stuff, so it doesn't really matter. So without further ado, let's get to it. The artistic side. So I think, let's see, we'll do that. This week has been crazy. We actually had to shut down, um, I think it was Tuesday of this week, because of the cold. Um, we actually had water mains breaking and pipes freezing and things like that. So we had to shut down the studio on Tuesday. And I think it will probably be Thursday or Friday of next week before we get back up and running again. Um, cause it's not supposed to get above freezing until then. And so the pipes are not going to be getting unfrozen until at least then. So we may end up being down for two full weeks and I mean, it's, it sucks, but you know, it's kind of a forced vacation, which is a good thing for me. I don't get to take vacation. Actually, I do get to take vacations. I just don't. I like working. What else happened this week? Um, oh. Um, podcasts. I actually have taken, because I have so much time now, I've taken a few episodes and turned them into podcasts. And I'm actually, I don't know anything about podcasts, so I don't really know how to promote them or share them or anything like that. So, um, check on iTunes, search for Amaviti, search for, uh, Dildo Smith and, um, I, it's out there on Spotify, iTunes, Google, um, Google Podcast Manager. Um, so it's on the big three. It's on Stitcher as well. So actually, I think it's on Amazon too. Wow. But yeah, it's on all the big platforms. So if you search for Amaviti, you'll find it. Um, but I don't know how to promote it yet. But it, the links just don't make any sense to me yet. But I'll figure it out and, well, watch the Twitter so you can keep up with that. Uh, Twitter, yeah. My Twitter handle is at Amavidi Studios, A-M-A-V-I-D-I Studios on Twitter. Um, let's do the ad. I have to do a little bit of promotion here. So I would be remiss if I never mentioned my website where you can find all of our toys. That would be www.amavidi.com or amavidi.etsy.com. So I think that's the quick update. Um, I don't remember. I thought I had a few other things I wanted to talk about, but I don't quite remember what they are at this point. So maybe we'll come back around to them. I think, let me double check and make sure I can do this right. Yeah, it shows it. So I think what I will do is I will just jump directly into my presentation because I feel like I'm, like I said, I'm, I feel like I'm back in high school or college. I do these, but the visual aids actually really help me keep up with everything. If there are any questions or anything, just drop them into the chat. And that way George can wrangle them around for me. Even though you can't see them on the screen, they are still going into the chat and George will see them. So she can get them to me as we go along. All right, I think I click on that and then I click. I just realized I don't have sound on that screen. So give me a second here. I'm going to see if I can add 
um, sound back into it. That's what happens when you do things live, right? Let's see. There's no mic there, but there should be here. Let's see. Audio input. We'll use an existing. We'll use the mic. Okay. So let's try this now. Studio mode. Web browser. And we have sound. Let's see if we can add one more here. There we go. All right. So I had a direct message earlier this week from someone and they were asking about pricing and it, it made me think that it might be actually a really good topic to discuss. I think I have maybe a little bit different perspective than folks out there. Um, you know, the question came in to me as, you know, I think the, they phrased it as we do cost plus when we set our pricing. So they look at what their costs are and then they add a little bit to it to cover other expenses and then include some kind of profit in it. And I actually think there is a better way to do it. Um, and I will preface all this to say that you know, these are my opinions. This is how I approach pricing and it may or may not work for you. But fundamentally, I think that changing your focus from yourself to your customers is extremely important and has to be the, the fundamental bedrock of how you do your pricing. Because, <clears throat> ah. so I'll cover what doesn't matter right now. And that is your material costs don't matter. Your expenses don't matter and your time doesn't matter. Now, the reason I say that is that your customers don't care about your costs. Your customer is looking for value. So the customer is only looking for what is this product? What is it going to do for me? And is it a good deal? They don't care how much it costs you to make it. And I mean, that's kind of a harsh way of putting it, but you know, when you go in and, and buy a TV, do you really care how much it costs Sony to make that TV? Not really. You're looking for a TV of a certain size at a certain price. And if those line up, then you really don't care how much it costs them to make that. Um, I think that value determines pricing, not your costs. All your customer cares about is whether or not your product fulfills their need and that the value of what they're getting is greater than what they're paying. And I think that if you're having to justify your prices by talking about your costs, then you don't believe in the value of your work. And that's a hurdle that you're going to have to get over. And you're going to have to believe and understand and realize that people do actually value your work. So, you know, there is some, some math here that I'll kind of touch on, but I want to give you an example. Um, I mentioned uh, TV earlier, but really extreme example here. Let's say you found a Picasso at a flea market and you bought it for $10. Would you sell it for $20? $100? I don't think you would. I mean, the bottom line is that doubling your money would be great. I mean, you can get 10 times on your money would be great, but the value of a thing 
has nothing to do with what you paid for it or what it cost you to make it. So separate those things in your head. Value has nothing to do with cost. Value has everything to do with the customer. Question number one, what is the value to the customer? And number two, can you make that product for that price and make a profit? I think that approaching it from the customer's perspective, you begin to understand what they want and what they need versus trying to sell them what you're making. And I, I think that's the, the distinction there is that we're, from my perspective, I don't want to sell something. I don't want to push something to somebody. What I want them to do is desire what I have and therefore put a value on it that allows me to sell it and make a profit. So now that you've answered those two questions, once again, mess here. So you've answered those two questions. What is the value to the customer? And can you make that product for that price and make a product? Now you can think about your costs. And what I mean by that is count everything that goes into the costs, even if you aren't paying for it right now. And always include a little extra for the unexpected. And that's kind of where I am right now. Being shut down for two weeks. If I hadn't planned for this a little bit, if I hadn't padded my prices a little bit in order to account for these occasions where I'm going to be shut down, then this would hurt a lot. But really right now I'm okay. It's not hurting me. And so I can continue on when everything thaws out and not even have to think about it. So when I talk about costs, I have kind of a partial list here that has about 50 things on it. So your costs include everything that goes into it. Materials, platform fees, transaction fees, packaging, shipping, rent, home office. Now, one of the things that I think trips people up a little bit, or I, mean, I think another way of putting this is that I would hope that somebody who doesn't have to pay these expenses yet, let's say you have a home office and so you're working out of an extra bedroom and you don't have to pay rent. That's awesome. But you should be accounting for that in your prices because it, you've given this space to your business and you've taken it away from yourself. And so you've given something to the business. You've given your business this space. And so you should get something in return. So you should be charging your business rent for the space that they're occupying. And that should be figured into your prices. Now, in the beginning, I think there might be a little bit of room if you're conscious of it to pass those discounts. We'll call them discounts. We'll pass those discounts on to the customer so that we can reduce our prices a little bit um, and be a little bit more competitive in the market. But ultimately, you should be accounting for all of these things even if you're not paying them today. Now, for example, phones. This is a, a great little situation where all of 
my phones, um, my employee phones, uh, which includes George because she's an employee, um, are paid by the business because they are business phones and they are being used for business. So those expenses are under the business now. Internet, same thing. I charge my company internet from my home office. I make my company pay for my computer at home at the home office. Um, there are a lot of other things that are a little bit more fuzzy, such as marketing and advertising. Oh, I think travel is a good one. I, I kind of like taking business trips because I can go to events and get away from work a little bit. Yes, we're kind of, a it's a little bit of relaxation because we're away from the studio, but we're also on a business trip, which means that everything from walking out the door of my home until I walk back into the front door of my home are expenses. And so that means that that entire trip is a write-off against any income. So you can see how that could be both fun and uh, advantageous in terms of um, your accounting. Um, and I'll do a sidebar here real quick. One of my tip is a good accountant is worth their weight in gold. Absolutely, because they will help you find and recognize the expenses that you have that you may not have understood were actually business expenses that you can write off against income. Now, as an example, I have a home office and I have a studio. And so my company owns my car because if I go from my home office to my studio, that's a business trip. I'm going from one office to another office. And so the company pays for the car that takes me from one office to the other. So there are a lot of things that you can do that um, recognize the expenses that you actually have and account for them against your income. And I don't want to totally get into the accounting and the taxes and everything about that, but taxes are an important part and I think I actually include them down at the bottom. Yeah, taxes, big capital letters there, exclamation point, because you do have to account for taxes. The tax rate for me is 22%. So I pay 22% in federal taxes on any profit that I have. So, um, yeah, it's taxes are kind of a big thing. And I think the state of Oklahoma charges, oh, I think it's another three to 5% for business taxes. So I'm gonna be paying eh, somewhere around 25% of any profit that I make goes into taxes. And so, yeah, that's a, a whole conversation unto itself. When we're talking about your costs, and again, I'm not going to get off totally, but all of this kind of comes back around to understanding what your costs are so that you can account for them, including 
payroll costs, paying for yourself, and paying yourself a workable wage. You got to pay yourself at least minimum wage. Um, once you start bringing in other people, you have to have workers' compensation insurance, and that's a that's an interesting situation. But um, I think I pay somewhere around one percent. I think about one percent goes to workers' comp. So um, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy about how much how many expenses there are and again I'm, i don't mean to get completely off but i want to under, want everybody to understand what all of those costs are and that they have to be accounted for you know i have one on here that probably doesn't apply to a lot of people but it does apply to me in in certain scenarios there is the float on net 30 clients so i have a couple of clients who are on terms net 30 which means that i deliver a product to them and then they have 30 days from delivery to pay me for that so there's the float between day that i deliver it and 30 days later when they pay for that that i have to be able to what's the word here uh, i have to account for that float i have to be able to have enough money in the bank so that i can wait 30 days to get paid and there are certain scenarios where net 30 makes sense, um, but it's little things like that where you have to be able to account for all of those things. Um, I will also say that education is important and that you should be spending time and money on educating yourself. And maybe that means going to events. Maybe that means going to conventions. Maybe that means going to suppliers and working with them on how you use their products in creating your own. And I don't think that you can completely overlook the education part. Also, I think that giving back is important. You need to make some room for contributing to either your community, the community of your customers, um, the community of the other makers and you should be able to give back and share a little bit of what you've gotten. So now you can do the math. Is it possible to do this project for less than what the customer is willing to pay and make a profit? So your customer determines the value for themselves and that means that they determine what they're willing to pay for that product. And then it's your job to figure out, is it possible to do the project for less than what the customer is willing to pay? I also have a note in here that it's okay to not make a monetary profit. It's okay to accept something of value, you know, sports ball tickets, dinner for you and your family, theater tickets, even a, um, you know, if you can, I've done some projects where I've worked with theater companies and they have given me season tickets to their productions for that year, which is awesome. And so I'm totally okay with 
reducing my price a little bit in order to, you know, have something fun. And, you know, it really depends on your project and what you're doing. You know, if you're, if you're making t-shirts and there's a local band that wants you to make t-shirts for them, but they don't have, you know, they don't have enough money to pay for everything. They've got a little bit of money for you to pay for your expenses, but they don't really have enough to, to give you any profit. Maybe it's that, you know, they teach one of your family members how to play guitar. There are ways to get value for the products that you make that don't include money. And that's absolutely okay. So I want to, I want to include a story here. Um, one of my clients, I, I've been working with them for five, seven years now, and we have a really good relationship. And one of the things I do for them is I do a lot of prototypes. Well, over the years, it's been very form, not formulaic, very transactional in that they'll order a specific prototype for a specific combination of materials and etc. Well, they end up ordering 10, 15, 20 different prototypes over the course of three or four months in order to find what it is that they want. So one day I went to them and I said, you know, I can continue to do this the way that we have been. I got no problem with that. But let me let me offer you a way to take advantage of our experience and our knowledge base, our understanding of these materials, and solve your problem for you. Now, it's not going to be cheap, but it's going to be efficient. And so we tried it once and I charged them a flat fee and told them that I was going to solve their problem. I was going to find the right combination of materials and processes to create this product for them. We ended up finding that solution for them in three days. We saved them about 87 days of exploration, prototypes and things like that. It was huge for them. A week later, they came back and said, let's do it again. And so the, the thing is that, you know, whether it takes me three, four, five prototypes, or it takes me 30, 35, 40 prototypes, I'm going to find the solution for them. And my job is to find it as quickly as possible and to do it as efficiently as possible. And I think that, you know, I've moved the focus from the transaction to their needs and fulfilling their needs and solving a problem for them. And it's worked out awesome for us. So it's a little bit different, but I think it, again, it reinforces that idea of moving your focus away from your costs to your customer and solving the problem that they want you to solve. So that kind of covers it all. Um, I'm gonna say a couple of things here at the end, which are resources and things that I think a lot of folks could 
find useful. I'll end up putting links, links to these in the in the show notes at the end. And when I post this up on YouTube, I'll put links to everybody here. But Chris Doe on The Future. Um, he has a channel called The Future. It is very graphic design oriented, but he also covers a lot of the business side of doing graphic design, doing art and doing things for clients. And it's a, a if you can kind of separate out the, the graphic design portion of it and think about the concepts, they're actually really good. Um, leadership. We have Simon Sinek. He has his book called Start With Why. Um, I think it's a really good resource if you're working with employees, but also if you want to become kind of, I don't want to use the word thought leader in your, your industry, but if you want to, and I think you need to become something of a leader, you need to, to be thinking about leadership skills. Simon Sinek is a really good resource for that. Entrepreneurship, Gary Vaynerchuk, you've heard me talk about him before. Uh, creativity, Austin Cleon, Steal Like an Artist. It's a great book for creatives. Um, there's another one down here. I, I, I had no real idea of how to kind of categorize this guy. He has a YouTube channel called Struthless. Um, his name is Cam, short for Campbell Walker. But he talks about the life of how do I put this? How he lives and how he deals with art, creativity, and surviving on being an artist from a day-to-day basis. And he's super honest, super vulnerable. He talks about his problems with um, substance abuse, his history. Um, but he also talks about things like imposter syndrome, procrastination, a lot of things that are really useful. Uh, I would also say better yet, go talk to your potential customers, ask them what they want, and then figure out how to do that. And there's a there's this kind of a, this subtle underlying idea here in that we're, number one, we're solving problems, but it saves so much time when you understand what your customer wants rather than doing 10, 15 different examples, 10, 15 different products, and they never sell because it's not what your customers want. Understanding what your customer wants and being able to fulfill that is a great place to start, in my opinion. Uh, Just be careful not to compromise yourself to do it. there are certain things that I won't do. There are certain categories of products that I don't want to get involved with. And so I pass those on to uh, other makers if they're interested in it. That is my presentation. Um, hopefully George has put together a few questions for me. Um, let's see, where are we? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I wanted to, there's some questions here that I don't quite want to get into because I think they're a little bit too specific. Um, 
So I'm going to have George get in touch with those people and have them um, contact me directly so that I can talk about their specific scenarios. Um, so there was a comment. That's great, but it doesn't tell me how to price things. Okay. Uh, I, there are two ways to, I guess there are two ways of approaching it. One is talk to your customers um, and find out what they're willing to pay. Because again, what matters is what they're willing to pay. Um, the second, and this is kind of market research, and this is probably what's going to get you to finding who your customers are, is doing market research against your competitors. You know, if you're in the indie toy market, you can jump on Etsy and look at the prices that people are charging. You're going to find some people who are, you know, down here in the $20, $30, $40 range. And you're going to find some people who are up here in the $100, $150, $200 range. But the majority of them are going to be in this range of $50 to $100. And that gives you a window to play in. Now, you know, I have uh, seven different models, I think, at this point, and the cost difference between making a short dough versus a Saturnalia or a Parabolica is immense. Basically, a Saturnalia or a Parabolica costs about twice as much for me to make as a dough short. And so, um, when it comes to the customers, they really don't care about that. What they want to know is, is this going to do what I want it to do? Um, so again, I, I have to say that understanding your customers is so important. Um, there was a question here about a formula and there is a formula I use and it works for me to know how much I would need to charge in order to make a product. Um, for me, I know that I need to charge somewhere between five and $7 per ounce of material used. So I have, if I have something that weighs 10 ounces, then I have to charge at least 50 to $70. The variability there is because of loss rates and there's some unknowns in there at the beginning. But if I'm looking at a product and I'm looking at a new toy and it weighs 12 ounces, I know that I need to price it between 60 and $80. So. That is what works for me in determining my costs. If I charge less than that, then it's not going to be a really viable product. Now, does that mean that if something using that formula says it should cost $60, is that what I'm going to price it at? Probably not. I will probably go back to my testing group and look at how popular it was with them and the more popular something is with my testing group 
it's going to probably push my price up because there's value there beyond what I'm charging. But um, so there is a, a little bit of a formula that I use. Uh, it's not a hard and fast rule, but it's enough to get me to understand kind of where this product is going to end up fitting in the market. I was question, how much do other people's prices affect yours? Um, well, this is, it's actually a really good question. Um, the way that other people's prices affect me and my business is if it, if somebody is charging too little in one of my other businesses, there's a category that people have gotten into as hobbyists and they undercharge drastically. And so they have taught the customers to um, not be willing to pay a certain amount for that product. And so when, when people come into the market and they don't understand how to price things and they don't understand what their costs are, they create a a vacuum that sucks prices down and that's not because the products aren't worth it problem is that people aren't uh how do i put this they are they're dragging the prices down artificially and in doing so they are corrupting the market in such a way that makes it difficult for other makers to be sustainable. And what that means is that eventually these people who are doing it as a hobby or they're not pricing their products correctly, they're either going to fail or if they continue and they've got enough money to just keep losing money, then they'll end up pushing some of the makers out of the market. And so people who are not aware enough of their expenses and of their costs can be detrimental, damaging to the market. But um, that's, that's kind of philosophical, but it's my opinion. How do you know when it's okay to raise your prices and what goes into that decision? Um, I think that earlier when I talked a little bit about you can pass some of your savings on to your customers. You know, if, if you're buying materials, um, if I buy a gallon of silicone, then that's a certain price. But if I buy 50 gallons of silicone, that's a very different price. And so I can pass those savings on to the customer and then I can start competing on price a little bit. But when I mentioned earlier about how, you know, you may have not, you may not have certain expenses, like, you know, if you're the only person, then you don't have to pay workers comp. And so that's an expense that you don't have. And so your prices can naturally be you don't have the overhead of rent. You don't have the overhead of utilities. You don't have a lot of expenses. And so your prices can naturally be slightly lower. When it comes around to 
growth and when you have expanded to the point where you need to get out of that extra bedroom and you know, now you need to have a studio to work out of, um, then you're going to be raising your prices to compensate for that because you now have more expenses. And if you were smart, I think you would have been raising your prices prior to that. You should be thinking three, six months out minimum. And so if you know that in the next three to six months, you're going to have to be paying rent and you're going to have to pay utilities and you're going to have to have renter's insurance and all of those other expenses, then you should be raising your prices before you have to deal with those things so that you can pay deposits, so you can pay all the things that go into making that step up to increase your productivity. So the bottom line and when it comes to when is it okay to raise your prices, there's that factor, which is how do your expenses compare to other makers' expenses? There's another, another very subtle part of this, which is demand. And I think that if you are not able to keep up with demand, that's another cue that you need to be raising your prices. Otherwise, you're going to end up working for a lot less than you're actually worth. And so you should raise those prices. And, you know, there's going to come a point where now the demand is going to end up dropping slightly, but your prices are going to come up and you're end up going, going to end up making the same amount of money for less work. Or you're going to end up making more money and being able to expand in the future. Um, yeah, so I think we're at about 45 minutes here. So I want to try to get to wrapping it up. If there are any other questions, get them into the chat real quick. I did want to do one last thing here. There was, there's a new maker coming out and I wanted to give them a little shout out. Um, Uranoscopes, they have participated in the, uh, the live streams in the past and they've had some great questions and they're getting ready to release their first products. And so this is an example of some of their butt art, the bases of all of their toys. And there's some really nice marbling here. I like this over here. I don't know if you can see my cursor. There it is. Over here in the bottom left, looks like um, the asexual flag right there. Is probably, I think Uranoscopes is listening to some of the folks out there who are, who've been asking for more themed toys. I think that's a really good thing. And yeah, this is one of their designs. And I love this fade that's happening here. Uh, there's some really good coloration that's happening. And I, I like this design actually. It's a, it reminds me of my own a little bit, but it's also a little bit more organic. Um, I get this kind of uh, Art Nouveau feeling out of it. And then here's some, some other examples. Um, I really like this fade. It's actually really nice. And it's actually kind of hard to do a really nice fade like that. But I love this marbling. 
Um, so I wanted to give a little shout out to Uraniscopes and we were going to do a shout out for their, their website, but there's nothing on it. Well, let me rephrase. Nothing has been released yet. So it wouldn't actually do any good to throw a website in there. But if you want to follow Uraniscopes on Twitter, and I'm going to throw the, uh, oh, it looks like George has already got it in there. The handle for them, for Uraniscopes on Twitter is O-U-R-A-N-O-S-C-O-P-E-S. Uranoscopes. But I'd be really curious and really anxious to see the, the products that are going to be coming out. And uh, probably end up having having uranoscopes on the uh, live stream at some point so going to wrap things up here real quick um i will mention we do have a patreon by the way um spell patreon slash amavidi patreon.com slash amavidi there is our patreon anything from three dollars up to forty dollars the at the forty dollar level you get a free toy every month um and that includes shipping and all of that um and it's actually you know at 40 bucks versus um 70 to 80 dollars for a retail toy that's a pretty good deal um, there is also one down here for international folks. If you are outside the United States, there is one here for you. The difference in price there has to do with the difference in shipping. It literally costs me um, $20 extra to ship something. Last time I shipped something to Canada, it was $25. So uh, that's barely covering my costs on that. So, yeah. You can jump over to Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Amavidi. And uh, you can support us that way. Also, I would say that if you like what we do, then hit the like button or the subscribe button or something like that. There's usually something on, on whatever platform you're on. Because we're on YouTube. We're on Twitch, Periscope, uh, Facebook. Uh, we're also doing podcasts. So on whatever platform you're on, there's usually a button or something that you can say that you like it or whatever. Hit that. And that just lets me know that you actually like what I do. And, you know, everybody likes to know that they are doing something that people like. Yes, George says that I need to work on my self-esteem. Um, and yeah, my hair. hair. All right. Unless there's anything else, I am going to wrap it up for the evening. Thanks for joining me, everybody. Have a good night. Bye.